We're turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Daniel, and we get the first of the great visions or dreams in the book. We see the timeline of history, and what Daniel does, Daniel sees the coming world empires in the form of a great statue. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, the number of dreams, they're all the same one, best we can tell, and he brings in his wise men and says, tell me, the, tell me what the dream is and tell me the interpretation, and nobody can, but Daniel can come in and do that. And we see that this dream shows us the world empires. It shows us that God rules the world and God raises up kings and sets down kings. And so as we look at our passage this morning, we're going to see that God is in control and we'll look at it and see how Daniel responds because basically a decree goes out to kill Daniel and we'll see how he deals with that. I don't know about you, but I, I, uh, I sometimes remember my dreams. Not very many. I, I know I talk to people that dream all the time. They say, oh, I always remember my dreams. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes there's really good dreams. Sometimes there's bad dreams. Sometimes people tell us that dreams tell us about us. I had a professor at Dallas Seminary that was also a psychiatrist, and he was really good at dreams. I mean, he would, people would have dreams, and they would come in, and they would say, I'm having this same dream over and over, and he would give them sort of an idea. One time he had a guy come in, and he said, I have this dream that there's this car going down the road and there's a man and a woman in there and I go and I jump in the car and I throw the man out of the car and I'm in the car with a woman but the car is see-through. It's like a glass car. You can see through it and I have this dream almost every night and this professor psychiatrist said, well, you know, I think about dreams a lot and I've studied them and here's what this seems to me. It seems to me that when you jump in the car and throw that man out that that's a woman and you're having an affair with his wife, you threw him out in the car, you can see through the car and you're afraid that people are going to be able to see what you're doing. And the guy went, how'd you know that? And that was true. Sometimes dreams mean something. Sometimes they don't. This morning, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has a dream. And it's the same dream over and over. And he wants to know what it means. And it's, this is a dream from God. God gives the dream to Nebuchadnezzar so Daniel can interpret the dream and give us the information concerning the future. Let's remember where we are. Daniel is a young man, probably 14, 15, taken into captivity by the Babylonian Empire. God, the nation of Israel, moved away from God. God allowed the Babylonians to come in in 605 B.C., 598 B.C., 585 B.C., three different times, and took them off into captivity to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. And so Daniel was taken off. He was very uh, special. And so they picked some of the very special young men, took them through a three-year training process. At the end of three years, they were trained in everything. And at the end of three years, they would then stand before the king and, and get put in his service. And Daniel and his three friends, friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they all just, they were amazing. And God gave them great abilities. And so they got picked. And we're going to see that. They got picked to be in the thing. Now, part of the plan was that they would change them. They would change their food. They would change their names. They would change their location. They would even change their religion, but they couldn't touch Daniel and they couldn't touch his friends. Daniel said, I will not 
eat the food that they've given me because the food was contrary to the Bible and contrary to the thing. So Daniel determined he would not eat the food they gave him. It had been offered to idols. It was not under the Mosaic law. So Daniel was very wise and he, he asked them to check him out and, and of course God blessed them all and he ended up not having to violate what he would consider the scripture. At the end of the three-year study, Daniel and his friends were found, ten, as it says in the Bible, ten times better than all the other wise men. And so then Daniel and his friends became became wise men in the Babylonian empire. As we start chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. He is one of the most amazing men that ever lived. And God used him. God used him in a mighty way. We're not sure whether Nebuchadnezzar ever believed in the true God of Israel. You can, you can look at it as we go through the study of the book of Daniel. He's in there a lot. You can decide for yourself. Do you think by what he says that he may have believed in the true God of Israel and trusted in the Messiah and would be the Savior? We don't know. But he was an amazing man. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. It's symbolic of the world empires and is the backbone of prophecy in the Bible. When you know what's happening in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 5, Daniel chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9, if you understand what's going on in those chapters, you will understand the prophecy of the Bible, and it would tie together with the book of Revelation, and they all go together, and we'll see that. Well, I'll give you the quick outline of the chapter. There's going to be the dreams in verses 1 through 3, and then they decide they're going to kill the wise man because they can't answer the thing. And so Daniel asks for some time, Daniel prays, and then Daniel goes to see Nebuchadnezzar. That's what we see. Look at chapter 2. I'm going to go fairly quickly just because it's narrative. I'll go fairly quickly, and we'll hit on a few things as we go through it. It says, now, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit troubled him, and his sleep left him. This is in the second year. Now, by the way, if you've been studying this, you already see something's wrong. These guys had been trained for how many years? Three years. But this says it's the second year of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, what you have to understand is that there was a, a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the father of Nebuchadnezzar. He was actually the ruling king when they took these boys off into captivity. They'd been captive for three years and got through the training. After they got these young boys, Nebuchadnezzar died and Nebuchadnezzar became the king. First year of his reign was always called the first year, called the ascension. So now we're in the second year of his reign, which was the third year. So it all matches. It's just, it just doesn't add up in the way we think about it because we don't know how they did things. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. He had dreams. Listen, there's more than one, but it may have been the same dream over and over again because best we can understand it was. And he woke up and he kept going, that is some kind of weird dream. And then he'd go back and he'd dream it again. He'd wake up and he'd go, this is bothering me. So what did he do? Uh, he then, it says, the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. Now, he didn't bring in every one of them, but he probably brought in the main ones of each of these groups. By the way, the magicians were, the word means stylus or pen. They were the record keepers. They were the historians. The conjurers were the astrologers. They told the future by the stars. The sorcerers were more magicians. They dealt with witchcraft. And then the Chaldeans were the scientists. Best we can understand, there's places where David 
David, uh, where Daniel is called a Chaldean. So we don't think he list he was a magician or a conjurer or sorcerer. He was probably one of the Chaldeans. And so he brought in the king brought in these four groups, and here's what he said to them. The king said to them in verse three, "I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream." He said, "I had this dream, and I need to know about it." And so you'd assume, okay, okay. And so what did these, the, the people said to him? The, verse 4, the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants and we'll declare the interpretation. Now listen, if you were one of those guys and the, the king gave you a dream, you don't know what it means. But you just make up something, right? You'd get together with the other guys and go, do you might know what he's talking about? No, let's just make up something. Okay, king, this is what we think the dream means. Because they couldn't know the future. They couldn't know anything. But Nebuchadnezzar, as I told you, is kind of a smart guy. And he says, you know what? They could trick me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make them tell me what the dream was. I'm not going to tell them the dream. They're going to tell me the dream. And then I'll know they can tell me the interpretation. I want you to notice something in verse 4. It says, then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. Beginning at chapter 2, verse 4, through chapter 7, verse 28, the Bible changed from being written in Hebrew to being written in Aramaic. We think this is to show that this message, this message in these chapters is not just for the Jewish people, but it's for the whole world. And that's why we think that the Bible was written in Aramaic in this part of the Bible. Almost all of the, all the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, except for this part and then one other little place in the Bible. So we'll talk more about that at another time. So they said... Um, uh, excuse me, let me go back. This, this was to show that the message was for the whole world. Look at the king's reply. The king replied to the Chaldeans, it is the command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your house will be made a rubbish heap. Yeah, but if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you'll get gifts and honor and rewards and the, therefore tell me the dream and the interpretation. Now, if you're one of those guys and he says, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Tell me the dream and the interpretation. If you don't tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'm just going to tear you to pieces. We're going to kill all of you. You're going to tear all your houses up and kill all your families. If you're one of those wise men, you're going, we're in trouble. There's no way we can do that. Nobody knows that. He wanted two things. He wanted the dream and the interpretation. And he basically says, if you don't tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'm going to kill you. If you do tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'll, I'll let you live. So verse 7, they answered a second time. They, they said, well, let the king tell the dream to his servants and we'll declare the interpretation. Now, they just said, listen, there's no way we're going to know what the dream is. You tell us the dream, we'll tell you what it means. We're seeing the failing of human wisdom because, see, this revelation is from God. It's not from man. They're not going to know the answer. They don't know what's going on. So watch what happens. He says in verse 8, the king replied, I know certain that you're bargaining for time inasmuch as you've seen the command from me is firm. So if you do not make known the dream to me, there's only one decree for you. You have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words. I know you just make up something. So therefore, until the situation has changed, you just tell me the dream and I know you can tell me the interpretation. He says, what you're really hoping is I'll forget about this or I'll change my mind. That's what you're really hoping. You're hoping that I'll forget about this. And But let me tell you something. You better tell me the dream so I can know you can tell me the interpretation. Because see, if they knew the dream, they'd know the interpretation. This is the failure of human wisdom. Because, see, God makes himself known. You have. Do you understand that God has revealed stuff to you? Revelation is God making himself known. Inspiration is God making himself known in written form. You have the inspired 
word of God. You have revelation from God in a written form. Every one of us in this room, if you have a Bible, you have in your hand revelation from God in a written form. It's amazing. So, in verse 10, they said, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man on earth who could declare the matter to the king as much as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this. And then in verse 11, they said, moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult. There's nobody who could do it except God's whose dwelling is not with mortal place. So they said, there's no possible way. There's nobody, no ruler ever asked such a thing, and there's no way we can do it. They're right. God knows the future. We don't know the future. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about saying, I wish I knew the future? Do you want to know what's going to happen to you tomorrow? I don't. I don't want to know I might get a headache at three. Or I fall down and break my leg. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that ahead of time. Do you? Do you want to know whether you're going to get sick or not? Or whether you, you don't want to know that. Now, God says, okay, I'm not going to tell you your little individual things. But I'm going to give you the whole scope of everything that's going to happen. Everything. We're going to see it. God knows the future. Well, look what it says. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious, and he gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. He's going to kill them all. Now, let me tell you, this tells us something about Nebuchadnezzar. What's his character like? You're going to see him in the Bible in chapter 2 and in chapter 3 and in chapter 4. You're going to see what kind of person he is. He is brilliant, but he has a temper. And anytime something's not the way he wants it, he becomes furious. And he's even willing, think about this, he's willing to kill every one of his advisors, every one of his wise men, because they can't give an answer to him. He's going to kill every wise man that he has. That's not very smart. He's got a cloud of thinking. And so think about it. How do we react when things go wrong, when they're not the way we want them? Do we blow up? Do we go off the deep end? Or do we trust God? So look what happened. Verse 13. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be killed, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill him. Listen, can you imagine you're Daniel, and they come out and they say, look, we're rounding up all the wise men. You guys are wise men. We're going to put you all together. By the way, the king has decided all of you will be killed. And you can go, Daniel goes, What? I don't think we've done anything wrong. Oh, no, no, it has nothing to do with that. So Daniel asked him. Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the, king, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men. And he said there, what's the reason? What's the reason for the, the king's decree? What's, what's so urgent? Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So let me show you how Daniel responded to this. First thing, he shows wisdom. He didn't go off the deep end. He didn't go berserk. He didn't say, oh, this is stupid. He just said, let me find out what's going on. Why is the decree so urgent? Then the second thing, look what he did, verse 16. So Daniel went in and requested to the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation of the king. The second thing that Daniel did, he had a plan. He planned something. He said, look, just give me some time. He said, get the word to the king that some of us are going to find the answer for him if he will just give us time. So not only does he show wisdom, but he has a plan. Then there's a third thing. 
And look at verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter. Partnership. He went to his friends and he said, listen, we got, we're in trouble. All of us are going to die. I've talked to the king. I've already got word of the king to give us some time. I found out what's wrong. King had a dream. Nobody knows what the dream is. And if you can't tell him the dream, he's going to kill us all. And then the last thing they did was this prayer. Look what it says. He says that he told his friends that they might request compassion for God, from God, from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what does Daniel say? Let's pray to God that somehow we'll get the answer. So Daniel's response was wisdom, planning, partnership, and prayer. What do we do when the trial comes? We need to have wisdom. We need to, we need to think about a plan. We need to get with others. We need to pray. That's the key. When things go wrong, when things are developing around us, we don't just fly off the handle. We go, okay, let's have a plan. Let's, let's put this together. Let's think what's going on. Let's get some friends. Let's pray about this. Because that's one of the keys is prayer. Now, God's going to give the answer. You know why? Because God exists, God reveals himself, and God answers prayer. And I guarantee you, every one of us in this room, that if, when you pray prayers, God answers those prayers. Now listen, sometimes the prayer answer is yes. And sometimes the prayer answer is no. And sometimes the prayer answer is wait. And we don't always know. But he answers prayer. And so they're going to go to God, and they're going to pray. Look what happened. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then God blessed the, uh, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. A night vision. You know what a night vision is? It was while Daniel prayed, God gave him the information. Why at night he wasn't asleep? This is not a dream. This is a vision. There's a difference between a vision and a dream. A dream is when you're asleep. A vision is when you're awake. Daniel was awake, and a vision came to him. And somehow, and he then thanks God for giving him the answer. Look what it says. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Daniel was told, here's the dream and here's the interpretation. Now what's going to be amazing is in just a couple of weeks, every one of us in this room are going to know the dream and the interpretation, right? Because it's recorded for us in the Bible. What if you'd been there? What if, he had, what, what if you had been one of the wise men? What, what if you'd have been Daniel? What would you have done? Would you have gotten together? Would you have said, Lord, they're about to kill us all. Tell us the dream. Tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation. I want you to notice what Daniel does, and I'm going to go very quickly through this. Beginning at verse 20, we see Daniel's prayer. Daniel said, now I want to show you this. I'm going to put this up just so you see it. This is his prayer, and as he prays, he talks about the character of God. He calls him the God of heaven, which means he's everywhere. He says, you're forever and ever, which means he's eternal. He talks about you're the God of wisdom. He's all wise. He makes decisions. He said that you're all powerful. That's omnipotent. He says you change the time. That means he's sovereign. It means you give wisdom. He says that means you're the source of truth. He says you are the light. You're holy and righteous, and you answer Prayer, answers prayer. That's what he does. Look at, the, look at it. He says, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. He's everywhere. Daniel said, let be the name of God be blessed forever and ever. He's eternal. For wisdom and power belong to him. He has wisdom. He is the one who changes the time and epics and moves kings and establishes kings. He's the one that is sovereign and changes the times. He gives wisdom to men and knowledge to the men of understanding. He is the source of truth. It is the one who reveals profound and hidden things. He knows what's in darkness. 
and the light dwells with him. He is the light, righteous God. And then he says, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you've given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you. He is a God who answers prayers. For you have made known to me the king's matter. Now let me tell you, if you're... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you're Daniel, if you're the other wise men, and you now have found out somebody's got the message, somebody's about to go before the king and save all our lives, you would be saying, Daniel, go run on in. Go on in and tell him, because he's going to kill us all if you don't. Now watch, verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as follows. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon, Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. So Daniel says, I'll go do it. Now, I want you to see something in verse 25. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to ask you, what do you notice? Verse 25. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make known the interpretation to the king. Arioch wants to look good. Listen, who came to Arioch? Daniel came to Arioch and said, give us time. Daniel comes back to Arioch again and says, send me in before the king. I can tell you about it. But Arioch goes in and says, by the way, I found a guy that can give the answer. He just wants to look good, right? I mean, that's what he wants to do. So watch what happens. I love this part. Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel in and said, I have found a man. So verse 26 The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Now, what if it had been me and you? What would you have said? You betcha. (laughs) We'd have said, yes, I can make known the dream. I mean, I just got the information. That's not what Daniel says. Look what he says. Daniel answered before the king and said... As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it for the king. You know what he actually says? No human being can tell you this. But look what the next thing says. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while you're on your bed. He says, listen, no man can do it, but God can. And so Daniel's not taking credit. Daniel is saying, this is from God. This isn't from me. God has just told it to me. He's going to see the end times. Notice it says, he has revealed the latter days. God has revealed in this dream the end time events and the coming kingdoms. Listen to what Daniel says. As for you, O king, while you're on your beds, on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any other wisdom residing in me than any other man, but just for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king so you may understand the thoughts of your mind. He said, listen, this is not for me to be famous. This is for you to know what God has for the future. That's what it's all about. Daniel takes no credit. Listen to this. You king, you were looking and you saw this statue, 
And the statue was large and extraordinary, spectacular, splendid. And, you, and it was standing in front of you and the appearance was awesome. And the head of the statue was gold and its breast and arms were silver and its belly and thighs were bronze and its legs were iron and its feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. And you continued watching and a stone without hands came and struck the statue on its feet, crushed the iron and the clay and the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold, they all crushed and they became like chaff and the wind blew them away but the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth you want to see what the statue looked like the head was gold the breast and arms were silver the belly and the thigh were bronze the iron the legs were iron and the feet were iron and clay that's the best statue I could find of what it probably looked like. The head is gold, the arms and chest are silver, the, the belly and thigh were bronze, the legs were made out of iron, and the feet were made out of iron and clay. That's what he saw. And let me tell you something. The next verse, verse 36 says, this was the dream. Now, we will tell its interpretation. What does this mean? I'm going to give you just a heads up. This is the Babylonian Empire. This is the Medo-Persian Empire. This is the Greco-Macedonian Empire. This is the Roman Empire. And this is an empire in the future which has ten toes, ten kings, a ten-king federation coming in the future in which there will be an Antichrist. And we'll talk about that. But that's the statue. And we're going to see that Daniel describes what it means Next time we look at the passage, application. Oops. Let's trust the character of our God. Think about him. He is the sovereign ruler of all things. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works out all history. We must trust God in these events. He is working according to his will and his plan. Listen, God is everywhere. He is eternal. He is wise. He is powerful. He is righteous. He reveals truth. He is faithful. God answers prayers. The second application is let's respond to the right way in trials. What do we do? What did Daniel do? He had wisdom. He planned. He had partnership. He had prayer. That's the key. In fact, that's the key. Turn to God in prayer. That's the first thing and how we work all this out when the trials come into our lives. Let's remember to, to praise and thank God. What Daniel did when God answered his prayer, Daniel thanked God. Too often, we pray to God. We say, oh, Lord, let this work out. It works out. We don't say, thank you, Lord. We just ignore it and go on. How about stopping and saying, thank you, Lord, for what you did here and what you did here and how you worked this out. You always take care of us. And last but not least, apart from God, man can't know God or his plans. God has revealed himself to us through his creation, through his son Jesus Christ, and through his written revelation, which is inspired word of God, so that we can know him. Apart from God revealing himself, we could never know him. Man's wisdom fails. God's word is true. The Bible is the source of all truth and all authority.